right, we're back with another episode of the Access Potential Podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And on this podcast, we are exploring the real and important topics around small business, marketing, health, and the culture. We're up at, I think it's episode 142, something like that now. And I was over on Pinecast a little while ago, which is kind of, it's like the hosting platform so they host all the audio and uh, it said that it's been five months since the last episode so it's been a little while a lot's happened a lot's changed uh, overall you know I mean a lot changed in 2020 uh, then a lot a lot more changed in 2021 we started the creative club business coaching program and that was great that's going very well so there was a lot going on with that especially in the early you know the first couple of months uh, we kicked off the Creator Club podcast, which is pretty cool. But, you know, a lot's changed, as I mentioned, and in small business, in coaching creative businesses, in the online space. I mean, I think back to when we started this podcast, 20, uh, 2020, something like that. And so much has changed, you know, whether you're looking at social media or looking at how you're delivering coaching programs and these kinds of things. So, Really, you know, the last couple of weeks I was thinking about this. And I thought, you know what, I've got to get back on and connect with some people, bring some new guests on and start to have some conversations around some of these topics I think will be very helpful for people, particularly in this space going forward, this coaching creative space where there's this big online component. To share what we're seeing with, you know, obviously we get to work with a lot of uh, people in these industries so we get to see a lot firsthand to share our own experiences and then to connect with other people as well so I've already got some cool guests coming on uh, from over in California and yeah so I'm lit up to to kick it off again to to add a new angle into it and so today's going to be the first episode of that and basically what I'm thinking is I'll be doing solo shows like this one today and then there'll be the guest shows obviously that will run a little bit longer these ones hopefully won't be too long we'll see how we go today uh, we've got five points I'm just going to talk through each point and I think it'll be really helpful we'll see how long it goes hopefully it's not too long I've kind of got an idea in my head but we'll see how it unfolds so the the topic without further ado the topic that we're going to cover today very important, very critical topic. It is this idea of a mission-driven mindset. Okay, specifically mission-driven versus setting goals, right? And I'm bringing this up now for a couple of reasons. One, it's January 17th, so a lot of people are setting goals for the new year, which is great. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to throw shade on the New Year's resolution people actually I, I I make fun of that a lot as well most of that comes from owning the gym right you got to understand in that industry it's rife it's it's like a pump and dump right that happens in January come in and, and a lot of people won't make even the three months and you know in that in that world and your health and your training it takes a while to get results so you start to get a little bit of a disdain for it but I also want to say that anytime, whether it's a calendar year turnover, your birthday, Halloween, whatever it is, that 
encourages you to have more intention around what you're doing and where you're going, check in on your plan, check in on your goals, check in on your direction, I think is a great thing. So we're going to talk about that for this one reason. And then also because we just ran a, uh, a, a two-hour workshop inside a creator club. It was called Business Success Blueprint. And we outlined like a blueprint for your business for the year ahead, 2022. And there were a lot of great questions that came up in that that sparked the thought for today's show, okay? And this this idea of being mission-driven, having a mission-driven mindset first and foremost, and then bringing the goals on top. So when we talk about goals, we are kind of going down the line of that classical, you know, specific, measurable kind of goal, has a time frame, it has a desired outcome. You, you know, write down what you need for support and you create a plan for the for the goal. When we're talking about mission-driven, we're almost talking about the context or the framing of how you see reality on top of which you set the goals. So the mission-driven mindset, we're not talking about a mission statement. If you've done like, you know, the, the, the business download from somewhere and you did a, you know, a mission statement and an elevator pitch and all that sort of stuff, we're not talking about that right? This is a little bit broader. We're talking about a mission-driven mindset. So having a mission in your business where you're going and then that mindset driving your kind of your life, right? Sounds a little bit meaningful there, but kind of driving how you look at life in general. And so we're going to talk about the difference between these two and some of the things that you can expect to see as you adapt a, or adopt, I guess, adapt a, a mission-driven mindset. And also you can reverse that and use some of these as tools to develop a mission-driven mindset as well. So let's dive in this five points and I've got some great little stories and, and these sorts of things for each point. So I don't know how each one, how long each will go for, but it shouldn't be too long. Okay, so the first point of having a mission-driven mindset versus setting a singular goal, right? The singular goal being in November, I want to run a marathon or something like that. It's got a date and it's specific. Uh, the, the first point, the difference between these two is the mission-driven mindset uh, means that you will have this, quite often you'll have this desire or need or even obsession with constant improvement with improvement right and there's a quote by a guy the great leo burnett he created an advertising company in uh back in uh, it must have been the the 40s or 50s when he started it and basically it was one of these big you know ad men kind of firms and leo burnett he got up to do a speech in 1967 and the speech is worth going to look at if you're, especially if you're a coach or creative kind of business. And the title of the speech was basically, I think it was, uh, when to take my name off the wall. So it was like his retirement speech. And he was talking to this group, which is his company. And he said, look, here's a list of things that might happen in Leo Burnett Advertising Company. If these things happen, 
I want you to take my name off the wall. I don't want to be associated with this, even if I've left, even if I've died. And one of the things that he said was very important, and it was, I want you to take my name off the wall when you lose that restless feeling that nothing you do is ever quite good enough, right? Nothing you do is ever quite good enough. And I'll cop a little bit for this, for for talking about this. I have this, other people obviously have this a lot more than I do, but I I suffer from this, uh, if you can say suffer, because it does create conflict, which we'll talk about, but this trait or this this particular thing. And what, what it means is you're on a mission, you're going somewhere and you're going to do something and you're going to look at it and you're going to ship it out and you're going to most likely not celebrate that and almost instantly look at ways that it could have been better. And then you're going to project that forward onto the next one. And then if there's somebody else in your circle, you know, if someone else is in the room or you're working with someone else, you're probably going to bring that up and it's going to impact them as well. And so this is why it's a double-edged sword. This is why it can cause some conflict, some tension, because you're going to delegate something. You're going to have a, a you know, collaborator in something and you're going to finish the job and you're going to, you know, you're going to have this mindset looking for improvement and it can come across as, you know, uh, nothing that they do is good enough or can be felt as I'm not good enough, right? And it's obviously a very different thing. So there is a a big learning here, a big growth here in terms of holding in two hands at the same time relationship with yourself, with the people around you, and then obviously the work. But Leo Burnett was, you know, that talk is worth listening to. There's a lot of great stuff. Effectively, I mean, that guy was super mission-driven and once you're on that mission, you need to improve because you need to continue to learn and continue to be challenged in order to progress the mission. You're basically serving this mission and then you'll have goals uh, along the way. And uh, another example that just came to mind then is we watched a couple of nights ago a movie called Whiplash. And you you may have seen it. It's from 2014. And it's about this kid who goes to a, a university to become a drummer. And the kid's dad, because the kid was raised by a single father, and the kid's dad wasn't particularly mission-driven. He he had a job, he kind of kind of, you know, enjoyed life and went through. The kid signs up to this music school. And his teacher is, you know, it's like Steve Jobs, but even more extreme. The teacher was very mission-driven, like radical. Like there's one scene, he throws a chair at this kid because the kid's not playing the drums well enough. But the teacher's trying to evoke the best possible performance from the students to the point of insanity, right? Like I'm not saying that that's a good thing. But anyway, the kid is also mission-driven, and so the two kind of tussle and they get along through this movie and that's what the movie's about. But there's this one scene where the kid's into, he's, he's with practice with the teacher and the teacher says, look, you're just going to have to get better. You just got to practice more. You just got to get better at playing the drums. So then the next scene is the kid's in this box room 
and he's playing the drums, he's playing the drums, he's playing the drums over and over and over. And he's working on this thing called double timing, I think it was. And basically he's he's going right into the night and he the camera shoots down and the the dude's hands start to bleed. And he stops for a second, puts a, a band-aid, a plaster on it, goes again, goes again, goes again, opens it up, bleeds more. It's like blood getting onto the drums. And he puts another plaster on, goes again, puts another. Basically goes till he destroys his hands. And it happened a couple of times in the film. Kind of like some symbolism that you're going to bleed a little bit for the mission. Which sounds a little bit dark, but stick with me here. So basically, the kid's, uh, the kid's pushing himself to this point. And this, this need for improvement is what they're trying to communicate here. It's being, you know, it's being communicated in the, in the movie, uh, is what the kid's showing, what the teacher's showing. And of course the kid goes on to become, you know, he has this breakout performance and the movie ends and I won't spoil it, but basically he, he gets to where he wants to be, uh, because of this mindset. So that's the first one. This, uh, need to improve this feeling of looking for or seeking improvement. And the second one is what's called intent, kind of linked to the first one. And this, one of my favorite book series that my dad actually got me onto when I was younger is by a guy named Carlos Castaneda. He wrote him back in, started, I think in the sixties, wrote him through to the nineties and Basically, this guy, he lives in California, he goes down to Mexico, and he starts to learn what's called the path of knowledge. And he's learning all about these ancient um, teachings of the sorcerers and plant medicine and, um, you know, all of these all of these different things. And one of the main teachings was around uh, intent and intending. And this is a big part of mission being mission-driven, right? With a goal, you can get through the goal as long as you're ticking the boxes for the goal, right? If I want to run a marathon and you give me a program, if I do the run, it's ticking the box. I can have a certain level of intent to reach the goal. If you're mission-driven, there's no end point. So effectively, you're serving that mission and you're needing to bring intent all the time. So we can kind of look at this two ways is this idea of forward intent, like, you know, you wake up when we record this, it's Monday. So you wake up early Monday and you're, you're, you're running through the mind, like what's happening today? What am I focused on? What am I focused on this week? You know, and then of course, like you can drop in the planning and that's where the planning fits in. It's like a tool to support the forward intent and the planning is effective, but only if we have intent, right? Forward intent. And so then this helps to, you know, set up and support the goals. But also we've got this in the moment intent. And, you know, you're listening, you, you would have felt this, but one, one thing that comes to mind for me is like, if you do something, you know, one of the things I love to do is go spearfishing. And a lot of times you'll be on the surface and you won't see the fish at the bottom. It's either too deep or the fish isn't there. And so anyway, you'll take your breath, dive down, and then you're laying on the bottom waiting for the fish. And you're waiting, right? You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. 
And sometimes it feels like forever. And then you're, you're also looking. You're looking on the, the periphery of your vision. So you're on two different edges at once. You're on the edge of your vision, like the horizon. You're on the edge of your breath, maybe. And being on the edge of something brings intent. It forces intent in the moment. So obviously you've got training. You've got all of these areas in your life where you can find the edges, which is training intent. It's forcing intent. So that's a big part of mission driven. And when you meet somebody, you know, there's a great biography of Steve Jobs and love him. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like the, don't like Steve's style based off what they've read. Uh, but there's a lot to learn from it also. You know, he was he was extreme. He destroyed a lot of relationships, very aggressive. However, there was also, you know, he was changing the nature of the universe effectively that we experience on Earth through what he was creating. So he had an extreme level of innovation and, and intent. And they talked about this. They, they, they talked about his... Uh, you know, his his eye contact, his presence, his energy when he was in the room, the level of focus that he had was borderline uh, non-human, right? It was extreme. And so that's number two. Uh, and that's big part of a mission-driven mindset because it's going to transcend one goal. It's going to be more of an ongoing basis. Now, there was a, just before I move on, there was a, a cool interview I read the other day. Uh, it was actually a really old interview between, I think it was uh, Rolling Stone and Lemmy Kilmister. I think I pronounced his last name right, Kilmister. So he was the bass guitarist for Motorhead. And the interview is back in 90, 1981. And they just released their first live album, which was No Sleep Till Hammersmith. And they were asking Lemmy, what what were they going to do? Like, what were they going to do going forward? He, they said, do you have a vision for you where you want to be, want the band to be by the time you reach your 10th anniversary? And he said, I have a vision for what I want to do after this interview. And that's head to the pub, get on the fruit machine, drink some Jack and Coke. And that's about as far ahead as I dare think. Live for the moment and stop making big plans. The only thing I'll change in the coming days will be my underwear. And basically, you know, you hear this and the things that pop out are one, he's, he's outsourced. So he's got a band manager and he's got a record label. So he's outsourced a lot of the strategic thinking of the mission to other people. He's built a team. What that's allowed him and the band to do is focus obviously on the, the work, the art, the entertainment. But the other thing is very specific about what's happening next. I'll head to the pub, get on the fruit machine and drink some Jack and Coke. So he's basically visualized exactly what's going to happen, uh, almost like a story. But the, the final thing in this is that that forward intent, you know, you don't need to have that for five year plan. It might not be that long. It might just be, it might be, you know, your plan might be subconscious, but you've got forward intent tomorrow, forward intent today, forward intent for the next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, and that's a big one for a lot of people, for a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
a lot of new coaches and, and small business owners, there's a lot of uh, desire for intent and a lot of thinking, but not necessarily a lot of intent. And what it means is the action slows down. So that's one way you can kind of tell is like if the output slows or if, the, if you sense around you that your action is slowing, it's usually a sign that your energy is going to tons of different stuff and you know you want to check in with the intent. All right, number three. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the joker in the dark night in this one. So number three is integrity. So in the dark night, there's a scene and Joker's, the Joker's talking to Batman and he says, I'm a man of my word. And basically, this is the reason why the Joker is so scary is that when the dude says he's going to do something, he does it. So if he says he's going to blow up the hospital, everybody freaks out because you know he's going to blow up the hospital. When he says he's got this scheme, this plan, this you know thing he's going to to execute on, you know that's going to happen because he has integrity. So integrity doesn't necessarily mean good or evil. Obviously, the joke is a villain from our perspective, from the audience's perspective in the story. But it means that you do the thing that you're going to say that you do. Yeah, and so this is a big part because if you have just a goal, if I just go want to do the marathon or I just want to make five sales or whatever the goal is, I don't necessarily need broader integrity because I've got this finite point in time. But if I'm coming at this from a mission-driven mindset, it's like, I don't know who I'm going to meet here. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyone I meet, anything I do is going to play forward somehow into my mission. And so therefore, my integrity is important. So that's a good one. And you can check in on that. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll know in your own life where you have open, you know, open gaps and where you're out of integrity. But you can go back and, and address those. And a lot of times you'll find that it helps the mission and vice versa. If you buy into your mission more, you'll start to see that because you're serving the mission, you'll find the integrity, uh, you know, usually comes a little bit easier because it makes more sense. It, it needs to be there to be, to set up the mission. Okay, number four, this is urgency, right? Urgency. So, you know, when we started out in small business, we were in retail and then in a gym. And in both situations, especially in retail, I'd come out of a corporate job in engineering and, and basically worked part-time for a little bit, learned how to do this business, opened a store, and used all of my savings to build the store, could hardly afford the stock. So it was starting to sell the early stock to make more revenue to buy more stock. And you sign this expensive lease. And basically, the moment you sign that lease, you're in you're in 100% go mode because your back's against the wall. You don't have a cash buffer. You're basically working for free in the early days. You're just going for it because you have to. So you don't need an alarm clock. You don't need somebody to get you motivated. You don't need these things because the the urgency and the necessity is there because of the nature of the business. So the tricky thing in, in a lot of the online spaces, 
last couple of years businesses shifting to online is there's no big lease, right? You don't have a $100,000 lease. You don't have this big team you've got to support. So what happens is the urgency can drop and it's your job to manufacture that, you know, manufacture the pressure, manufacture the urgency, manufacture the necessity in your mind by buying into the mission. And again, you know, we talked about the Joker, we talked about Steve Jobs, we've talked about a couple of people here and they, you know, sure, a few of those are probably a little bit, I guess, you know, you could say evil, maybe not the best uh, cases to use. But if you set that aside for a second, you can see the sense of urgency. Uh, Steve Jobs in particular, you know, he was known for having what they called a reality distortion field. And basically, he could convince people that they could do a job in like three days instead of three weeks. And he would almost hypnotize them into this, believing that they could. And then they would get it done. And, you know, people burned out. It, it destroyed relationships. We're not saying that the the way that he did it was good. What we're saying is that the urgency that he was able to cultivate allowed him to do what he did. So you're going to have your own version of how much urgency you need and how you're going to go about cultivating that. But basically, you know, you're not going to, like we said, you're not going to need an alarm clock as you buy into the mission more. You're going to wake up and that's just going to fuel the next step. Uh, you'll just get on with the thing you need to do. And so, uh, and, and avoid the things that you that take your time, that suck your time, that suck your energy, uh, energy vampires, you know, time vampires, and situations, you know, like people who want to gossip. All of this stuff takes you away from the mission, so you'll find that you're naturally avoiding those things, and you're naturally moving forward. So, you know, I think in that one, I don't really know if there's something you can do. People might have meditations and and visualizations and stuff like that. But I think I think putting your mission first over time, you know, becomes a practice, becomes a habit. And then whenever you get stuck or you're sensing there's no urgency, you can always ask the question of like, all right, what's the what's the thing? What's the what's the best thing for me to do right here? You know, what else can I do? What can I focus on? Which will help to maintain that urgency. All right, last one. Uh, two that don't seem to really go together, but I believe they do in this one. So some people will argue with this. Some people won't agree with how I framed it. That's okay. I'm going to go for it anyway. The last one, number five is resilience and happiness. Okay. Resilience and happiness. Resilience because the mission isn't going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows every day. Stuff's going to go wrong. And so resilience is just going to be part of it. But the other part, the happiness. So the way the way uh, I look at this, the way I'm considering this, the way I look at kind of happiness is not as the end goal of something, right? Happiness is like a, it's a fleeting emotion, right? Or contentedness, you could say if you want. But if you think about what's happening when you're mission-driven, you're focusing on actions that are leading towards success or survival in a domain or in a mission that you've defined, right? So when I'm mission-driven, I'm getting up and I'm working on tasks that move me forward towards success 
on a path that I've defined, that I've bought into, right? And the feeling that is evoked in moving forward on those tasks is happiness, okay? So happiness is kind of this contentedness is kind of like a feedback loop to say, you know what, you're working on something right now, you're you're eating something right now, you're doing something right now that we think is going to lead to success in the areas that matter for you so you can be happy, you're happy now. And, you know, so it makes sense. You eat beautiful food that makes you happy. You do these things that feel good, makes you happy. Uh, you know, wh- whatever that is, you train, it feels good because you're, you're getting stronger and your body is going, well, that's probably a good thing that's going to help me be successful and live longer. So I'll, I'll create, I'll evoke happiness from this thing that you're doing. So this is going to, you know, this will throw people, I think there's been some studies on this. I think that's where I originally saw it, but this is basically throwing the idea that the happiness comes from simply being or sitting there, you know, on the mountainside and saying, well, actually, if you can focus on your mission and put one foot in front of the other on a task that is meaningful to you, that's creating the future you want to see, then that helps to evoke happiness, creates an inherent sense of contentedness. Uh, not because that one thing you're doing is so amazing. There's other things you want to do besides, you know, send emails out or do social media or, you know, build your your coaching program or present your offers. But it makes you happy because you know that when you do those things, there's a subconscious understanding that you're moving forward. When you wake up early, you do your meditation, you do your training, it makes you happy, not because of the thing that it is in itself, but because on a macro view, your body, your mind, whatever it is, knows that this is helping you to move forward towards success, towards survival for you, your family, your tribe, your community, whatever whatever you're a part of. And so the same thing happens on a collective level. Uh, when a group of people is moving towards their mission together, happiness, right? They get along, things are good. All right, so that's it. Mission-driven versus goal-setting mindset. So if you're setting goals, just check in. All right, cool. Like, am I doing this? You know, a lot of people will try to set an incremental or a, a tangible specific goal, but not really understand or know what the overall mission is or not have an overall mission. And that's not a bad thing. It just means that you might want to spend some time and make your first mission about finding your mission, defining it a little bit, getting clear on it a little bit, even if it's just mentally for you having some kind of direction, then go back, layer in the goals. Then it all makes sense. The timelines make sense. The conflict kind of dies away in the goal setting process. And it gets a lot more fun. It kind of takes the, that pain, hesitation away from the goal setting Uh, if you want to do the goal setting that a lot of people feel. Hopefully that's helpful for you. Uh, That's it for our first episode back. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you again on the next one. In the meantime, most helpful thing you can do for me as we rebuild, get momentum back for these things is take uh, take a screenshot, put it onto whatever you're on, Instagram, whatever. If it's on Instagram, tag me in it. And uh, I'll, I'll share it and I'll 
send your message and see what you learned and what you thought. And otherwise, we'll just see you on the next one. And we've got a couple of great guests coming up soon over from California uh, on on uh, NFTs and high vibrational clothing, which is going to be pretty cool. And yeah, got some great episodes lined up. So thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one.